as a public speaker, people are often surprised that I'm actually a little bit shy and a little bit socially awkward. But when I come into that public persona, I do try and inhabit it fully because we're trying to get the best possible value that we can out of any conversation. Welcome to Better Conversations with me, Siham Cyrene, where we get to have a conversation about having better conversations. If you'd like to be a guest on my show, then drop me an email at betterconversations at papertuna.com and be sure to listen to the end for more information about being on the podcast. Security isn't funny, but it can be fun and information security doesn't have to be hard are the mantras of my guest today, Tom Langford, your virtual Chief Information Security Officer with a big, friendly, but serious personality. Tom is always ready to engage. He does a combination of being serious in the same breath as pointing out truths and irony with humour and dry wit. Not an easy mix to pull off, and he admits that until people get to know him, occasionally some people don't get his brand of fun or might find it intimidating. As the former Chief Information Security Officer of Publicis Group, Tom was responsible for all aspects of information security risk and compliance, as well as managing the group information security program. His conversation style is to listen deeply and then talk as he thinks, so a verbal processor. And he's very comfortable correcting his own words, a verbal version of typing a sentence, deleting back a few words, and then retyping something better more accurate. What came through strongly in our conversation is how he's watched others manage people and what he's learnt about his own experiences managing people. Things like speaking truthfully and not shying away from giving bad news while still being thoughtful, compassionate and supportive. He believes in the power of a face-to-face discussion and the eyeball-to-eyeball handshake to create credibility and trust, where an email is more likely to create distance and a bit of wiggle room for excuses about why work hasn't been delivered as agreed. When I asked him what's influenced his conversation style, it's his need for honesty. He talked about being a public speaker and how that's taught him to be more comfortable when receiving a compliment, not just because it's validating the other person's opinion and it's the polite and gracious thing to do, but also because he sees it as a gateway for a more useful, in-depth exchange. It invites further conversation and connection. He believes that not only do experiences like this grow you, but they also generate respect from others towards you. So if you're a new manager, you might actually enjoy listening to Tom's counsel and his shared learnings as he's risen in seniority. When it comes to information security, he points out that it's a topic that's not always well understood. It's seen as a nice to have, an annoying part of the business that gets in the way of business. This view is changing slowly, so it's important that Tom can communicate the seriousness of security and have stakeholders view it as critical to the speed and resilience of their business. But that doesn't mean the conversation can't be fun. In talking about his best conversation and his worst conversation, Tom is a great storyteller. He speaks as things really are. He's not looking to blame. He just names things as they are and is willing to accept responsibility for his part in a disagreement. 
and he's very comfortable naming the feelings, the emotions, the states of mind as he takes us through work situations and significant conversations. Here he is. Hey Tom, lovely to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much. So I want to jump in with your first question. So what does a better conversation look, sound and feel like to you? Uh, I think uh, a better conversation is is one that is kind of obviously open and honest, but it's also uh, one that uh, is productive uh, in the sense that something comes out of it, even if it's something as small as a feeling uh, or as as big as you know an action or something like that. But I think uh, you know a better conversation is 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 where you've moved forward from where you are before. Now, that's not to say that you, you know, casual conversations and conversations around the, the pub table have to have a, you know, a, a, an end and a, and a goal at the end of them per se. But certainly in the, in the, in the, uh, from the position of, of, you know, a business or a, uh, uh, something where you are trying to achieve something, uh, you need to have moved forward by the end of it. Hmm. Okay. So some sense of progress or some shift, whether it's an idea or getting someone on board or a connection. That's right. And it could be as simple as someone feels better at the end of it, you know, uh, feels better about themselves, feel better about their job, feels better about what they're doing uh, or better about someone else or whatever. It doesn't matter. So like I say, it doesn't have to be an actual tangible product. Uh, a feeling is is just as good, but I but but there has to be something at the end of it. Otherwise, you've just wasted, uh, you know, twenty or thirty minutes. Now that 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 uh, thing at the end that could be an improved relationship, of course. So you might be talking about not a lot in particular, but actually you've been able to engage with a with an individual and uh, improve your your standing with them or improve your understanding of them uh, or vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. I think we tend to rush that or think that that piece isn't valuable, right? That time that we spend perhaps talking about not very much seemingly um, is actually really a critical part of connecting with people. Yeah, absolutely. The, the the relationship side of things is so important. Um, the time that uh, you spend talking to team members, either you know, in the by the water cooler, in the corridor, the time that you spend, you know, when when they uh, drop you a, a a text, even to tell you that something has been done, and then you you go forward and engage just a little bit more with them about asking them how their day's going, what they're doing, if they're okay, etc. They, there's there is a uh, a benefit to that. There is a, a an actual positive outcome that you know they might feel better and more appreciated at, at the end of it. Um, you know, as much as sitting down and having an hour long conversation about career goals or whatever, you could come out of an hour long phone call or a, a two or three direction uh, text exchange. And you could have exactly the same amount of uh, positive feeling at the end of it. Mm, for sure. And so tell me, what's your perspective when there's friction in that conversation? Yeah, friction, it's it's always difficult. And the natural thing is to try and shy away from it. And I think like many people, I, I, you know, I, I think there's there are 
there are a few people out there that they're in the minority of people who have thick enough skin that they actually don't care. But that kind of tells me something else about them as well, maybe. <clears throat> but um, I think, um, you know, friction is a difficult one, but it, it, it can be a very, very uh, positive experience still because, you know, if you try and shy away from bad news, if you try and sort of coach it in different uh, in sort of, uh, you know, the silver linings, the, you know, couching it in terms of look on the bright side, all, all that sort of stuff. People will see through that straight away. And um, I see, I've seen this a lot, you know, especially during things like uh, performance reviews, for instance, when somebody doesn't get the pay rise they want, they don't get the promotion, they they don't get the um, the recognition they, they think they deserve. I think if you if you shy away from that conversation in any way, shape, or form, what you're doing is storing up problems for later on because you are maintaining or even raising their expectations of what's coming. Now, most most people again um, can actually you know take bad news fairly well. Of course, they will react emotionally initially. But I think if you recognize that actually that is just an initial sort of knee-jerk response and and let that emotion come out, you can then sort of come in and talk, you know, underneath that emotion a little bit more and, you know, lay out the the logic, the next steps, the support you think you can provide them. Um, and even, you know, even letting them know that um you know, f- failure is not always a negative thing. It can be a very, it can, in the sort of medium to long term, can result in a lot of positive outcome. You know, if you don't, if you never fail, you never really learnt, if you see what I mean. Um, I sound like I'm reading from a book here, but, uh, you know, the, f- the the process of failure is actually really good for forming your opinions and your attitudes and how you operate Uh uh, as much as anything. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think there's something about what you were saying, which is, um, to me, it sounded like uh, a need to be honest and direct. And in that context, even if the news isn't great, people feel respected. Yes. Um, and, and they can trust that what you're telling them is accurate. It's a clean and clear picture of, of what the situation is, and that's valuable to people. It's uh, to know, you know, where do I go from here? What's my status? What are my options? And when you're talking about that, that's what I hear. I think that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Because I think, <clears throat> again, you know, I mentioned about storing up problems for later. You're going to have to, you know, eat your words later on or, you're going to have to say, well, I didn't mean it like that, or I was just trying to make you feel better or, or whatever. And so therefore, you you know, it's it's problematic. And I think that the, the respect that you gain by simply telling the truth, even if it's, I don't know why you didn't get the pay rise, why you didn't get the promotion, but I will find out. Um, that's, you know, that's, a positive thing that's that's something that tells them that you're on their side ideally you should know don't get me wrong but uh, that's not always the case you know companies are are big and complex organisms and don't always you know behave in in logical ways um but um i think you know and even if and, and if you do know and it's not great news uh and even if you don't necessarily agree with it you still need to tell them again you know but 
by virtue of them having all of the information, they can make a much more informed decision once the emotion has come, you know, has, has, has subsided somewhat, much more informed decision as to what they're going to do. From giving, any, you know, this bad news, because of all those reasons, all those problems it's, it's going to sort of uncover, but always be there for that person, you know, if it's that sort of managerial, um, you know, uh, supervisor, uh, supervisorial role, for instance, always be there to offer advice and support. That person, you know, certainly in a professional instance, is going to be, you know, in the case of bad news, feeling, you know, potentially lost, not know where to go, not know what to do, etc. And if you can be on hand to offer that kind of support in the face of um, uh, bad news, I think uh, again your 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 messaging is going to sound that much more sincere as a result. Completely. Um, so let's switch tack a little bit here. Um, I'm curious as to in what ways your work depends on having good conversations. So who are the people you talk to every day? So it's interesting because. I don't think it differs hugely from one industry to the next. You know, anybody from a, a sort of a you know a leadership or senior leadership position. In that, yes, you 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 talk to the people in your team. You talk to the people you know who are actually executing your vision or executing your work. You know, through to their managers uh, and your peers, and then and then upwards as well. And I think certainly I find in uh, in my industry in information security, that the topic is not one that's often well received. It's seen as an overhead. It's seen as um, a a gatekeeper to activities. Uh, We're often described as the uh, the business prevention unit, i.e. the the part of the business that just says no to everything, when actually it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, uh, a, a good modern or contemporary uh, information security unit actually encourages the business to run faster rather than slow down and stop. Um, but there's a bunch of caveats to that, of course. You know, run faster, but keep us involved all the way, et cetera. And I think, um, you know, whilst there are in, our industry is changing along those lines, the actual perception of it is not. And so the conversations that we need uh, to be having as a result are, I'd say, you know, fundamental in nature and really important to how we uh, are going to operate in the future. We have to take people back to the basics, pair away at their understanding of who we are and what we do, strip that away, and then rebuild that um, that impression. Of us and and that uh, uh, the understanding of what we do and that can take months that can take years in some cases. Yeah, uh, it, I was going to say that sounds like quite a slow process where yeah. you're building the blocks of understanding. You're educating people as you go and, and making sure that you're bringing people with you at each step. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's extraordinarily rare that I can come out of a conversation with somebody who's got you know, the old uh, view of us and them leave uh, and leave them thinking of, of us in entirely new lights. There's, they, they, they will have had years of 
um, experiences and years of of misinformation and even sort of bad interactions with predecessors, etc., that will completely inform their opinion. Uh, and so, and so, part of that is that one making very clear about you know who you are and what you do, etc., and then two making sure you follow up on that making sure you are actually doing what you say you're going to do. And that, that I think, again, you know, going back to the basics of a conversation is if you're going to commit to something in conversation, in a meeting, or, you know, verbally or face, face-to-face verbally as well, you damn well better follow up on it too because actually in some ways that verbal contract is even more binding than what you might have written in an email. I think, um, you know, if you have a face-to-face meeting, when you look that person in the eye, you shake the hand to say hello and you shake the hand to say goodbye at the end of the conversation, that's a lot more immediate and personal than just an email that says, yeah, we'll get right on it. Because another email would then say, oh, but we're really busy now. We're going to have to change the schedule. And it seems it's 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 much more difficult to say that in person. Um no, I take that back. It's not more difficult to say it in person. It's more difficult for it to be believed in person. It comes across as far more insincere. Um, and so I think that's the power of a conversation is a is a double-edged sword. You know, the, the power of that face-to-face um, discussion and that, you know, and that verbalising and, and to, you know, the, the eye contact. Do you, do you think that speaks into a person's credibility, the fact that it's an eyeball-to-eyeball exchange? You, you make that statement of, I will deliver on that. Um, do you think that becomes more binding because the individual's got more riding on it, that the, they've got credibility and reputation at stake in a way that's very personal, in a way that an email is not? Yeah, I think so. Because <clears throat> I think, um, you know, again, the email is, that is well, we all know is that very impersonal uh, format anyway. But I think it's... it's um, you know, if we go back to even the, the origins of the handshake is apparently, I'm, I'm no historian here, but it's to sort of show, you know, unarmed, etc., open-handed, trusting, etc. It feels so much more binding uh, than something that's just sort of electronically flashed across, you know, across the internet to somebody. And yes, that that personal credibility and that 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 personal commitment. I'm not just committing to some pixels on a screen and someone who might read them, or potentially might even not read them. To be honest with you, let's face it. Uh, versus, I remember when I shook that that person's hand. I remember how that made me feel. Um, you know, emails. I, I guess especially well-written emails are, you know, memorable in, in, in many senses, but the actual evocation of a, of a, of a visceral response is very rare. Um, has to be some very passionate writing. Um, whereas, you know, that, that, you know, yeah, writing, which we'll won't go into right now, but, uh, but, um, it has to be very, very, um, you know, very powerful stuff versus just meeting someone, shaking their hands, talking to them about what it is, you know, you're going to do or, or whatever. Uh, and then shaking a hand again, that, that, that physical contact that evokes um, or that produces, um, you know, a, a chemical change in your body uh, and makes that 
um, meeting far more memorable as a result. So what's influenced or shaped your perspective on conversations, Tom? I think... um, I think honesty has influenced it. I've I've had um, you know some some good bosses in the past, and they've always you know not sort of shied away from you know telling me both the good and the bad. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I did learn about, about sort of ten years ago or so was being on the on the receiving end of things, um, and actually, for instance, being on the receiving end of um, a compliment. You know, most people. Um, and not just the British people, but most people actually shy away from receiving a compliment. You know, they say, oh, it was nothing. Oh, you know, I was just doing my job, etc." When actually that, that really diminishes what the other person is trying to say to you. Um, and that you should actually be far more open to listening to what they're saying to you, i.e. thank you very much, and responding accordingly. Um, you know, by downplaying, you know, what you know, your part in it or downplaying what they've said, you're actually um, downplaying what they're trying to say to you and sort of diminishing their feelings and what, what they've tried to say. So it's, it's, it's uh, I won't say insulting, but it, 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 disen- it disencourages them from doing that, something like that again, you know. So I think, you know, and, and being, it's some it can feel very awkward in some circumstances to 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 respond in certain ways so again you know a compliment i don't say well i thank you very much yes i think i did do a fantastic job there blah 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 and um, i'm obviously overegging it a little bit but actually you know trying to actually engage in that kind of vein is really useful it actually encourages the conversation to proceed in a in, in a far more um, in a far more constructive manner, because maybe they'd want to follow up with a little bit of you know constructive feedback about what could have gone better. But you've said, "Oh well, it was nothing. I just rushed it through, and I didn't really do it. And it wasn't my my you know I didn't do all the work anyway." And blah 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 blah. And they that then puts them on a back foot as regards you know well well I can't really talk about. What I think that could have gone better then, if you don't feel you did anything with it, you know. So you're actually you're actually cutting off a, a potential source of of uh, you know feedback and uh, and um, um, possibility for improvement anyway, or even just some follow it, you know, follow up conversations. I thought it, it was interesting what you said there about it being awkward to receive a compliment because we don't hear enough instances, I think, of of someone receiving a compliment and handling it well. Um, And also your point about potentially it's disrespectful to to dismiss a compliment so quickly, um, as well as cutting off from that feedback that might be useful. Um, So I think it's important that we do, when we receive a compliment, that we model how best to respond to that compliment so that it becomes more normal. Um, and it allows for people to see what what could continue on from that. There's more information to come out of that. That's right, absolutely. And I think um, what helped me with that was public speaking and a lot of people coming up to me afterwards, either in person or email or LinkedIn afterwards and saying, you know, thank you very much for that. I found that really helpful. I found that, re- you know, um, that was really interesting, whatever. And I, I used to... 
initially kind of almost backed that away, but now I, you know, it's it's more a case of saying, well, you know, thank you. I'm so glad you enjoyed it and you got something from it, and that then prompts the next part of the conversation, which I think is important. You know, rather than saying, oh, well, you know, I. Said, I, I just got up there and did the talking, you know, what don't you know, blah, blah, blah. It, it, it can really chop someone, you know, chop them down at the knees before they, before they've even started, you know, there they are trying to be, to be blunt, to be nice to you, you know, to, to make you feel good. And actually the more you embrace it, um, I think the, well, the, the, the healthier you become, at the risk of then becoming a you know a, a massive ego pain in the backside to somebody, but uh, but hopefully we all know people who are going to sort of bring us down to earth. I, I certainly know a few, but um, you know. So, but I think it's you know it's it's healthy for for you to understand and and appreciate when you have done a good job. Mm. Tell me, what's the best conversation you've ever had? The best conversation I've had. I'm gonna. You to... want me to remind you? Yeah, I'm afraid so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you said I disagree with a team member many years ago. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I did think that, and I thought, well, was that the was that the right one? Yes, absolutely. That was one of the one of the best conversations I had because ultimately it was so positive. Um, but yeah, many years ago, must have been eight years ago, maybe even ten years ago. I was having um, a very, uh, how can I put it, a very um, vigorous conversation with a team colleague uh, about something. Uh, actually, he was somebody who reported into me, but you know, I've, I've never been one for sort of pulling rank on people, and never been one for telling them to, you know. I've never really pulled a veto on people before. So, you know, having people talk openly and honestly to me is is really important. So we were having a very vigorous and uh, heated conversation. And it escalated, to be honest with you. It started to get, a, you know, a little bit personal, nothing, nothing too dangerous, but it started to get a little bit personal. Um, you know, I pulled out a few choice swear words here and there. And, um, I think I think maybe one of us hung up on the other, or maybe we were disconnected, or maybe we just uh, were silent and said we're going. I, I don't recall, but it was it was a not a great end to the phone call at all. And we'd both put our points across to each other very how can I put it very poorly and very vehemently. Um, but it was very clear that we were both extremely passionate about this particular topic and that it mattered to us personally really in, intensely you could almost say and i think it, it was the next day and i i um you know set up a, a a meeting with the individual and you know we started the meeting and immediately the tone the tone of our voice the tones of our voice was was entirely different we'd obviously had a time to think about it we'd both you know actually realized that the other person was not doing this deliberately um you know to us we weren't disagreeing with them 
you know, I was not disagreeing with him just to disagree with him. I felt that there was something fundamentally different at play. And, and he went through exactly the same process. And we, you know, and we picked apart the conversation slightly and actually realized that bottom line was we're just extremely passionate about this and that we feel that there, you know, there are certain ways of achieving things and certain ways that we need that things needed to be done, etc. Uh, and we came to um, a very, well, to be blunt, a very happy compromise. In fact, it was probably the best solution anyway because it was it wasn't as extreme as one or other of the views that we held. Um, and so I think, and and what that actually meant was, I, well, I've never argued with that person since, you know, and I continued to work with him up until just a few months ago. Um, I've never argued with that person since, and we were we've. It, it actually changed and evolved the way that we discussed things. Um, we had a, um, we almost came to, I'd say we almost came to blows. That's not correct at all. We had a very, an, another very intense conversation not that long ago. And we weren't afraid of really talking about how we were feeling during that conversation, but we were able to accept it and acknowledge it far more easily than we ever could have before. Uh, and so it became, um, if not the best outcome at the end, because you know the decision was made, if you see what I mean, but we understood far more about, um, uh, we appreciated far more where the other person was coming from. So it that first experience allowed us to shortcut a lot of, a lot of um, BS that many conversations are littered with, you know, with many other people as a result. Hmm, that's true. You, you've got history, you've worked together for a long time, and you've got a lot yep. of common ground. Um, and that does allow you to shortcut. Um, and potentially that argument that you had in the past paved the way for a much quicker way yep. to get to a resolution in the more recent conversation. Precisely, precisely. And we still reference it now, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we still talk about, you know, when we're talking about disagreements, uh, you know, or things like that, we we, 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 we will, you know, if, if we're in the same room together, we'll, we'll kind of glance at each other and, you know, raised eyebrows and we, we know exactly what we're thinking of. So, you know, it, 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 it wasn't just memorable for me. It was certainly memorable. You know, it was, it was certainly memorable for him as well. So that's a conversation that started off not so great um, and ended up being fantastic and, and gave you a platform for future conversations with each other. So what would a really bad conversation, what's the worst conversation you've ever had? I think the worst conversation I've had and also the worst type of conversation you could have is, um, um, is the one that you go in expecting to to have one kind of conversation a, a positive one and it comes out as a very negative one so i went into a conversation with with a member of my team to give him a pay rise and a promotion you know pay rise sorry the promotion was deserved the pay rise was not wonderful but it was above the average for the company uh, and I went in almost, well, completely laissez-faire, to be honest with you. I went in there, you know, very much thinking, um, you know, this is going to be a fun, 
you know, lots of laughs and, you know, we'll go out for a beer afterwards and all that sort of thing. Um, and uh, it was awful. It, it, this this person was, was upset. Uh, he felt that uh, he should almost have had a double promotion and a significant pay rise. Uh, he didn't even he didn't acknowledge the fact that he was you know many many percentage points above everybody else who had uh, promotions. Didn't acknowledge anything at all, and and you know my my initial thought was this this can't be right. How is somebody behaving like this? You know he was I wouldn't say he wasn't exactly throwing chairs around, but he was certainly um, you know prowling around the room <laughs> like a caged animal. Um, and so, uh, um, by the end of it, I, 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 you know, I, I just said, committed to him that I would try and do something about it. Managed to get him an extra couple of percentage points, which he sort of basically just grunted his thanks. You know, oh, it should be more anyway, but thank you. Um, and then six months later, he left anyway. So it's kind of like. Um, it was it was terrible on so many levels. One because I expected it to be better. Uh, then I thought it, it just felt like he was, you know, just a bit of f- almost pretend indignation. You know, he thought he could get a little bit more. And my my gut feel was this doesn't feel right. And I should have stuck with my gut feel because it wasn't right. He was obviously, you know, trading us off against, you know, other possibilities, etc., uh, other you know career possibilities, and so it 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 just came, it just left a very bad taste in my mouth. And I think, you know, I think um, I th- uh, it was it what should have been a positive conversation with perhaps um, actually I'm still you know I'm not satisfied. You know, thank you for this. Thank you. It's, it's, this is good news for me. But it was it it came across much more personally and much more um, aggressively than it should have. Mm. And what I find interesting about that, Tom, is how it echoes what you were saying at the beginning about friction. Um, If you've got friction in the conversation, it ends up being the focus. And it sounds like that was a perfect case of, you know, the conversation became about the friction. Yes. And um, less about you know, you've got a pay rise and you've got a promotion and what can you do to keep going in that direction? And that was the opportunity that was potentially missed. Is that what I've heard? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I uh, like, this again, this was about sort of, actually, this was about 12 years ago. Um, I think, uh, you know, I was a little bit more naive then um, and a little bit more sort of trusting of, of where people came from. And I think I could, at, well, I could and should have, you know, handled it a lot better and actually managed those expectations down. But my my gut feel, or my, sorry, not my gut feel, my, my initial response was to try and deal with the escalation by immediately empathizing and saying, I'll see what I can do, rather than actually delivering some bad news, which is, mate, this is it. You know, and and frankly, I think you're you're getting exa- you know exactly what you deserve, etc. So I wasn't. In fact, there you go. Uh, it's almost like I'm joining up the dots. You know, there you go. I wasn't willing to have that. Um, I'll rephrase that. I flinched from giving the bad news, um, and the bad news for this person was this is it. And so I think um, 
you know, and that again is probably one of the influences on me. One of the sort of uh, seminal conversations, seminal moments that I had around, you know, what actually changed or helped form my communications and conversation uh, approach. Mm. What else are you good at in conversations? What do people enjoy about having a conversation with you? Uh, I like to have a laugh, to be honest with you. I like to, um, uh, you know, I like to enjoy myself. Uh, you know, I, I, I have a saying about uh, information security that it, it's not funny, but it doesn't mean it can't be fun. And I think that applies to, you know, business uh, and, you know, many, many other things. You, you've got to have fun. There's far too much bad news and seriousness and uh, just you know, the, the world can sometimes be a pretty bleak place. And, you know, I'm not just talking, you know, politically or ecologically or, or socially, but, you know, just the workplace can be a pretty dull and grey place at times. And I think, um, and, I, and, I, and I learned this a long time ago from some old bosses of mine who I just used to, you know, laugh out loud on a daily basis with them because we would we would joke around Um and um, as a result of that, I really enjoyed my time working with them. Um, you know, they had many other great characteristics. Don't get me wrong, but uh, and I, and I think that's rubbed off on me in that it's there's no reason I don't think that we can uh, that we that we have to be so serious about everything all the time. It does mean I can have a pretty you know dark sense of humor at times potentially not politically correct etc um you know which which can be dangerous but i think it's uh <laughs> you know i i i would none nothing i've ever you know laughed or joked about has ever been you know personal or or um uh insensitive as such but i think having that kind of sense of fun um really does make a difference i think you know i i always say that when i do interviews over the phone one of the one i ask two things one is paint me a picture of who you are and and um and the second thing i do is always crack some kind of joke because their response will tell me a lot about that person <laughs> you know you know whether they're going to just they don't understand the joke and laugh anyway or you know, in which case they're they're sycophantic, or they don't understand the joke and will ask it for it to be explained, or they get it and just you know roar uproariously and you know with laughter. All of that tells me something about that person, um, you know, uh, for good and bad. Mostly good, I'm I'm glad to say. But you know, that sense of humour is is what is important. I think I have a similar sort of thought process, which is that. Uh what you do tells me a lot about you and what you don't do um, equally tells me something about you. And um, that speaks into body language. Sometimes, yeah. you know, we may be saying one thing and our body is saying something completely different. Yes. How do you take in body language? Are you aware of it? Yes, um, I think so. I mean, aside from, you know, like most teenagers buying a book on body language, thinking it's a great way to meet girls, um, and aside from that, you know, very early experience of, of body language, I've, I've not studied it per se, 
But I, I think there's some very, very you know obvious stuff, right? You know, if the other person is checking their phone or still typing away on their laptop or is, um, you know, gazing out a window or whatever, then I think you know it's it's very obvious. But I th- also think you can use body language yourself to be to to really set the tone of the room. So I remember a a boss who used to. Ass- uh, lean his chair right back and then put his feet on the table when he had a meeting with people in his office. And it sounds really obnoxious, but what he was showing was this is a relaxed place that you can speak your mind. Um, uh, and we did as a result. And I, I, I have emulated that to a certain point. Um, uh, you know, I wouldn't say to a you know to a uh, to a T per se, but that kind of relaxed posture and easygoing um, body language, I think, is really important in, like I say, establishing the tone of the room. It's different when it's not your office, when it's not your meeting or whatever. But you can you can still really um, you can heavily influence how a meeting is going to go by. Um, you know, body language and humour. You know, you you can you can break the ice very quickly. I was once told that um, I was walking into a meeting with somebody I'd never met before, and they said, uh, she said to me, um, "You uh, you've been smiling ever since we met until we've sat down. Uh, it's very rare that I see that. You know, normally people's faces just." you know, switch off, but you've been smiling all the way here and it's, it's very disarming. Um, and I think that's true. You know, when you smile, you're, you're, you're trying to put the other person at ease. You're trying to actually show that, you know, this is, this is, this is a place of, of, of trust and, and openness. Does anyone ever misunderstand you? Oh, all the time. I'm sure. Um, And in fact, some people, uh, actually, I'll just answer that straight. Yes, absolutely. I've still continued in the same vein, um, I would say 99% of the time, uh, because I think it's it's very contextual. Sometimes, you know, they're, they might be distracted, they might be you know, from a different culture, for instance, uh, a different country, etc. So yes, there are times when it is misunderstood and they think I'm not taking something seriously, but as they get to know me better, they understand that actually I take it very seriously. Uh, I just happen to uh, smile and 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 joke about a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and when I meet you in person, your energy comes across really strong in that you know you do want to enjoy the conversation, you want to enjoy what's coming next, uh, and there's an openness about you in terms of where this conversation might go and flexing to that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> in the same way that your smile can be disarming, You know, when we're slightly extroverted and have a lot of energy, it can also be intimidating. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But again, I think uh, and and you're right, because uh, we were we were talking, you know, just before we kicked off the recording about, um, you know, as a public speaker, people are often surprised that I'm actually a little bit shy and a little bit socially awkward. But when I 
come into that public persona, I do try and inhabit it fully because we're trying to get the best possible value that we can out of any conversation. And I don't mean that in a very, you know, cold way. I mean that in a, you know, we need to to do something. You know, we 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 want to get something out of this, even if it's just to make myself feel good, you know. But um but yeah, I think I think that energy can be off putting. But then um you know, I also like to think that as time goes by and as those interactions continue and they continue at that same level of energy and happiness in inverted commas and, you know, openness, et cetera, that people will come to realize that it is genuine. It's not a tactic, if you see what I mean. I I admit, I think possibly, you know, 10, 15, even 20 years ago, it may well have been a tactic because I didn't know what else to do, you know, laugh or cry. And I didn't particularly want to cry in my first, you know, big meeting. So I thought I'd laugh. Um, so, uh, so it probably was a tactic, but now it's actually who I am and the way that I get the most out of a meeting and the most out of interactions with people. Do you think that's about consistency now that it's a habit and you're comfortable in being that way? Do you think that's about consistency and what people experience of you repeatedly that tells them it's genuine? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, in fairness to me as well, I, I couldn't imagine doing it any other way. Um, you know, I, I, I do sometimes have to resist the urge to tell a joke during bad news. But uh, but then it, but sometimes it works. To be honest with you, it breaks that it breaks that tension. You know, there's that that um, uh, surface tension bubble almost of tension, uh, and and it needs to be broken. Um, you know, it, so that people can sort of let out that breath and you know, okay, yeah, we're still alive. You know, <laughs> nobody died. You know, so it can work. Yeah, yeah. The element of joking in a meeting, um, I think, is quite tough, though, for a lot of us, because, you know, will it land right? Will I be taken seriously after I've told the joke? Will I annoy someone um, that I'm trying to impress or who's important in, you know, moving something forward? Um, So you have the comfort with being able to tell a joke um, and turn something quite serious funny. How much of that is who Tom is and your outlook on life? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And in fact, it reminds me of a a story that a, a close friend of mine told me. Um, somebody from his rugby club died, um, and um, this person was known for for not buying a drink, buying a round. Basically, he you know he was he was the cheapskate, but you know very much loved and liked. Uh, and he he died in his sort of early forties or something, you know, not very very uh, unhappy, very sad, etc. And you know, six of six of his friends were you know charged with carrying the the coffin into the church, uh, and it was it was a very upsetting and sad moment of time. And as they were walking up, they had to go up 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 a couple of steps into the church in a slight incline. And apparently, the the body shifted in in the uh, in the coffin a little bit. At which point, one of the guys carrying the coffin said, "It's a bit late to be reaching into your pocket now, Gary." Which, of course, set everybody off. And actually, 
broke the tension and actually people started to, I wouldn't say enjoy the, the funeral, but actually see it more as the celebration of life that it should have been rather than just the, you know, um, the, 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 the absolute sadness of, of death. So I, th- I, I think humor works uh, universally, um, you know, where, when many other you know, approaches don't. Yeah, clearly, they were very quick-witted to uh, well, yeah. <laughs> to do that. And it was a shared experience of that person. Well, exactly. Because exactly. everybody knew what he was like, you know. So was... <laughs> right, yeah. Is there anything else that you want to mention that we haven't touched on, Tom? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, um, you know, covering just even the basics, I think, for me is, you know, Honesty, humour, and probably a third thing that begins with H as well will be my three takeaways. <laughs> Good. Well, let me know when you figure out what that third H is. Yeah, absolutely. Humility. Hubris. No, not hubris. That's the wrong one. Um, that's the opposite of humility, isn't it? Humility. That'll do. Humility's go. good. Humility's good. Yeah. Thank you, Tom, very much. It's been fantastic. I've enjoyed hearing your stories. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Better Conversations with me, Siham Sirene. You'll find show notes for today's episode at papertuner.com forward slash podcast, including more information about my guest, Tom Langford. If you haven't subscribed yet, then please do. You'll find Better Conversations with Siham Sirene on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And don't forget to show your enjoyment with a full star rating, please. Uh, Better Conversations is a podcast series about having better conversations, mostly at work, but elsewhere too in our lives. I'm wanting to capture and explore what regular heroes like you from all walks of life enjoy about conversation. We get to indulge in acknowledging what you're good at and equally admitting what you are rubbish at, who winds you up and who has inspired or influenced how you like to have conversations. There's no judgment here. It's just an interlude of reflection about the finer aspects of conversations as it stands for each of us. If you've got questions or suggestions or you'd like to appear as a guest, drop me a line at betterconversations at papertuna.com with a convincing, entertaining or just a down-to-earth opinion that you have about the importance of conversation. I'm Siham Sirene and this has been A Better Conversation. Bye for now. Thank you.